It's time to talk Cardinals baseball with a World Series champion, Brad Thompson, on the Redbird Report podcast on 101 ESPN. We are back yet again for another edition of the Redbird Report podcast. My name is Brad Thompson, and by the time you are hearing this, there is a very good chance that I am in sunny Florida working on a... Well, probably a sunburn, to be totally honest with you. Uh, white is the new tan. I'll lather up with sunscreen, and we'll get it going. Grapefruit League action is starting this weekend. We got the Cardinals, the Nationals, 12.05 Central. First pitch at Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium. Adam Wainwright is going to be on the mound, and then the following day on Sunday, the Cardinals take on Skip Schumacher's Marlins. 12-10 first pitch on that one on Sunday, February. February 26th, and I am excited. By the way, both those games going to be broadcast on Valley Sports. Going to have 15 games that are broadcasted live. I think that's way more than uh, most teams uh, have because, look, Cardinal Nation, you love your baseball. There's going to be plenty of it on in spring training. And as we've talked about in the previous podcast, there is a lot of intrigue coming into this season. Now, a lot of that intrigue we've already talked about. We've talked about the outfield situation, and since we have talked about that, been a little bit of news that center field is apparently up for grabs. we got Tyler O'Neill fighting for a center field job, along with Dylan Carlson, and Lars Newbar's in that mix as well. I mean, they're really throwing it out there, putting that job up for grabs, and really leaving some of these corner spots potentially open for some of the young guys that we've talked about. I'm looking at Jordan Walker. I'm looking at Moises Gomez, guys that could come in, show off some big power, and potentially be a part of things. So something that we're going to be watching Watching this entire spring training is what do these at-bats look like? And even for guys like uh, like Newt and like Tyler O'Neill that are not going to be in spring training for at least some of the time as they're both going to the World Baseball Classic. And with Newt Bar, I mean, he's playing all the way uh, – the, the, playing for Team Japan, but playing the games in Japan, his pool is there. He's going to miss a little bit more time with travel and expect that team to make a deep run. There's going to be plenty of at-bats and opportunity there, but we've talked about that. We'll continue to talk about that, especially after this weekend when we have a lot of real A-Bs to break down and real things, but one of the things that I'm so excited to check out and see what they look like is the implementation of the new rules. As you know, these new rules are starting right away in the first games in Grapefruit League, in Cactus League play. There is no easing into it. There is no warning. It is, hey, this is what's happening, and if you don't, in fact, follow the rules, then you are going to be punished. So, what are the rules? Well, remember when you used to tell people, I love baseball because there's no clock. I just love that about baseball. There's just no time frame. Well, there's a clock. There's a time frame. It's pretty significant, and it's probably the biggest change Major League Baseball has seen since, I don't know, uh, implementing the designated hitter the first time. I mean, that would be probably the biggest change that we've seen in the game of baseball, and it's going to drastically change things. As they've implemented this throughout the minor leagues in the last couple of years, they're seeing, on average, game time shortened by about 25 minutes. I think that most of you would agree with me. I don't care how long a game is. I want action, right? And their thought is this is going to end up spurring some more action. And I know that there are a lot of you that right now, before we actually see it, you hate the idea. And there's a lot of you that maybe love the idea. 
I'm not sure where I fall on this, to be totally honest. I think I lean towards the old school. I didn't believe that baseball was broken. But I know this. This is the direction that Major League Baseball has chosen to go. You talk to guys in in the minor leagues that have played with this. They say it takes a little bit of adjustment to get there. But uh, they, in fact, got there and uh, liked it. We're good to go. I I found it very interesting, actually, a quote from Matt Carpenter, who, as you guys remember, he started the year off in the minor leagues last year so he had to deal with these rules Matt Carpenter said and this is in reference to the pitch clock he said initially I hated it I grew into liking it a lot to the point where I would fully endorse it in the major league game the big selling point is that the pace of the game is way better it just is that was Matt Carpenter saying that last year uh, after he got a a real glimpse of what the pitch clock looked like in baseball so a couple of uh, tidbits on the pitch clock and what it's going to look like what the time frame looks like so there will be 30 seconds in between batters 30 seconds in between batters the inning break will be two minutes and 15 seconds that's in between every inning now the broadcast will come back at two minutes that 15 seconds that is the pitcher's clock where he can still deliver a pitch so that first pitch has to be delivered before that 215 mark in between the innings we won't notice that stuff as much the in between batters we certainly will uh, but really the big change is between pitches when the bases are empty the pitch clock is 15 seconds when there are runners on base the pitch clock is 20 seconds From a viewer standpoint, we're going to notice it. So whether you're watching a game on TV, there will be a pitch clock there. And I don't know if it's been decided exactly how it's going to be implemented. If you're going to see a little circle that's in the grass, it could be in the score bug where you end up having the runners. It could be in the middle of that. Not sure if it's going to start at the full 15 or 20 or it's going to give you the countdown starting at 10. But either way, you will be alerted of where the pitch clock is, but it won't be anything that is is, uh, obnoxious and you're waiting for a, a countdown to launch uh, like it were NASA or anything like that. Uh, And if you're at the ball game, there are clocks that are going to be put up and have been put up all around. So there will be three of them from the pitcher standpoint. There will be one essentially behind each on deck circle that's at field level. And there will be one up at the like uh, broadcast level up high so you can see it up that way. And then two of them in the outfield on each side of the batter's eye. So the hitters, the, the pitcher, everybody involved is going to have a look at a clock somewhere so they know when that countdown begins. Now, the hitters knowing about this is kind of a big deal because the hitters aren't off scot-free on this. The hitter also must be in the box and what they say, alert, okay? Alert to the pitcher with eight seconds on the clock. If they don't do that, it is going to be a called strike. Now, these are all umpires' discretion, but the umpires have been told Look, if they're not in, if they're not alert, then call it. Same thing with the pitcher. If this is past the timer, then you call it. The pitcher obviously ends up getting an automatic ball if he does anything against the rules here. How are we feeling about this so far? Do you like the idea of it? Maybe a lot of you guys have went and watched some minor league games, so you got a chance to see what it looks like. Maybe you watched some of it on MILB TV and got a chance to, to check it out. I really do believe that... We're going to get used to it. These pitchers are going to get used to it for sure. There's going to be a few guys that don't like it. There's certainly going to be a lot of guys that will have some adjustment 
for Cardinal fans, I'm guessing one of the first guys that you're thinking of, of when you're talking about adjustments for this is Giovanni Gallegos. Giovanni Gallegos, boy, he's a slow worker. He is. And I, I got a feeling that he's probably already tired of hearing about that in spring training. But Gio, as far as I know now, he is scheduled to pitch in the first game of Grapefruit League action coming up this weekend on Saturday against the Nationals. And we're going to get a chance to see what it looks like for him. Giovanni Gallegos last year you might have heard this number the number was 25.8 seconds for Giovanni Gallegos now that is a little bit different than the way that they are doing this with the pitch clock okay that was his average tempo between pitches and that would be timing when the ball releases his hand for one pitch and then when it releases to the next pitch so that number isn't really the number that we're looking at here, but the equivalent of that number for Giovanni Gallegos is 19.8 when the bases are empty. 19.8 seconds in between pitches when the bases are empty if you're going to time it the way that they are going to time it this year. I'm not great at math, but that's more than 15 seconds. 4.8 seconds more. So that's not a minimal amount to have to shave off for Giovanni Gallegos. And that 4.8 seconds pops up again with runners on base again using the timer equivalent time uh, for geo geo average 24.8 uh, seconds per pitch that is 4.8 seconds again uh, off of that slowest worker in baseball with bases empties tied with jonathan luizaga and the second uh Second slowest when it comes to runners on base. The only guy that was a little bit slower than Geo last year was Kenley Jansen, uh, the, the closer for the Braves last year, uh, was a little bit slower. And this is really going to affect some late-inning relievers because these are the guys that are always tasked to come in and slow down games. These are the firemen that get brought in in big spots. I realize that a lot of closers nowadays uh, come into spots where they get clean innings. A lot of guys don't like to come into some of the dirt. Gio's not the closer. Gio comes in there and he comes into some nasty games every once in a while, and you are tasked with being able to slow it down. And some of that slowing the game down is slowing yourself down. You're going to have to figure out how to do that, how to keep himself ready, how to keep the hitters off balance, how to keep the runners at bay, and all do so within this time frame here. Another part of this when it comes to slowing down the game, and this is a rule for every pitcher, not just uh, relievers, but I think about it more with the relievers who are coming into these big spots, is there is a new pickoff rule as well. Pickoffs are limited to two disengagements. Now, a disengagement could be a traditional pickoff. We'll just say that there's a runner at first base. You turn and fire to first. That is one disengagement. Uh, yeah, so you already have one. Then maybe a pitch later, you step off the back of the mound. Just to reset yourself, maybe you want to uh, wipe some sweat off your brow, adjust your cup, do whatever you want to do. That is two disengagements. That means that if you pick over again and you do not get the runner out, then that is a balk. That runner over at first base would go to second. If you had just stepped off the mound because you forgot that you had two disengagements, guess what? You better remember next time because he's going to be standing at second base now. So uh, this is going to be a bit of a change. And the hope is for Major League Baseball, as they've done this, one of two things. Well, it is twofold. One of them is they they realized when they first started implementing some of these rules when it comes to the pitch clocks in the minor leagues that – the pitchers, smartly, 
if they wanted to slow the game down, would simply step off. And they would reset the timer, and they did that as many times as they wanted. And Major League Baseball said, okay, well, we have to adjust here a little bit. If we want to keep this pace of play up, we've got to make sure that these guys can't step off the mound whenever they want and reset. But the other part of it is they are really hoping that limiting the disengagements for the pitchers is going to spark the running game for a lot of teams. The teams will take more chances, that will steal more bases, will be more aggressive on the base paths because, I mean, fans were polled, right? Major League Baseball didn't just go in and say, oh, what the heck, let's just let's mess all these things up. What did fans want to see? Well, they wanted to see more action. They wanted to see the ball in play a lot more often than it was. And they were asked, hey, what are the, the – most entertaining plays that you get to see when you go to a baseball game or you're watching a game on TV. People love to see triples. People love to see doubles. They love to see stolen bases, and they love to see great defense. And we'll get into the great defense game change here in a minute, rule change here in a minute. But the idea of this will really potentially, for a lot of guys, change the way that they look at stealing bags? Will it be more of a risk? I think that you're going to see a lot of risks being taken when runners are at first and third to bait a pitcher to pick off a couple of times and then really make a decision. Do they want to go after a guy at first who's getting an obscene lead knowing that they can get the out or will you just give him second base? I think that there's going to be a lot of different things that go into that. Sticking with the theme here of the running game and making that more exciting and hopefully getting more steals. Another big change that Major League Baseball has made, and it's a very noticeable one when you're standing on a base, they've made the bases bigger. Instead of a 15 by 15 square, like baseball uh, has had their bases for a very long time, it is now 18 by 18. So these bang-bang plays they're going to get a little bit closer. I mean, how many times do we see an out, whether it be a stolen base or a ground ball, where somebody is out by an eyelash? Well, chances are that player has got a very good chance of being safe by an eyelash now, too. That's going to end up creating potentially more offense for some of these teams. And with this change in between first and second, second and third, you've now gained four and a half inches or 4.5 inches on on the distance in between the bases so maybe that is the difference where teams say okay well let's let's take the chance you know they've dug into the numbers right they've dug into the analytics they think okay well maybe if we can get our lead a little bit longer we know these pitchers really well we'll dig into that even more of their tendencies how quick they are to the plate that we can take advantage of this we've seen the stolen base largely die in baseball for a long time I think that there are some teams that do it and do it well and actually the Cardinals were a team that utilized the the stolen base we're not talking whitey ball here okay they're not going out there and just swiping uh, every bag in the world but they were more aggressive as a ball club Tommy Edmond ended up stealing 32 bags last year I think that he's got more left in the tank you know that Tyler O'Neill can run I'd like to see them do that even more in the Cardinals as a team last year, they were pretty darn successful. They were sixth in baseball and stolen base percentage. Uh, they, they did a really good job of they took the extra base. They scored first to third. They scored on singles from second base really well, actually better than anybody in baseball. So this aggressive base running is something that the Cardinals already have had the last couple of years. And hopefully these changes that they're going to implement here with the bases. Look, uh, is it silly? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. I, I didn't hear about that rule change and say, yes, thank goodness, I've been waiting for the bases to change. But who knows? 
one of the other aspects of that too, having the bigger bases and, and the research that Major League Baseball has done, say the injuries around the bag have dropped about 10% due to the larger bases, saying players, you know, they're getting bigger, stronger, and faster than when they implemented the first bases at 15, uh, 15 inches. And it's just going to limit plays around the bag, uh, less contact around the bag. Also gives you more surface area to slide to on that uh, crazy play where you got a hook slide, somebody reaching out for the base. So it could end up getting interesting there. But something that they were really focusing on here was the player safety aspect of this. Now the next rule change that is pretty polarizing also is limiting the shifts. They've been talking about it for a while, and I, I was continuously in the camp of, no, they're not. They're not going to limit the shift. Why would they do that? We're going to start seeing hitters actually just drive the ball the other way, take advantage of nobody even playing the shortstop position, and pepper a ground ball there. I kind of figured that that would happen. Turns out I'm stupid. That didn't happen at all, and nobody that nobody's that's unfair. There were certain guys that would take advantage of it. There were some guys that would really work on just going the other way and taking advantage of that. But Major League Baseball said and realized in large part that they're not paying their guys, and you look how baseball players are paid right now. For the most part, offensive players, you're paid for your power numbers. Their power numbers are not going the other way, hitting the ground ball to shortstop. That's winning baseball, and I, I want that guy on my team, but it's hard to uh, tell a guy, we're going to pay you for this, but we want you to do that. And Major League Baseball said, all right, we're going to change it. We're going to go back to where things that have been uh, – you grew up uh, – I grew up, and I'm, I'm 41 years old, and I act like I'm a lot younger, but 41 years old. I, I always knew pretty much my whole life that a line drive that almost kills the pitcher, that's a single. That is an out now. Like right now, I, I watch the pitcher hit the deck, and I'm like, ah, he's out. You have somebody standing there all the time. These tendencies, these pull tendencies have been so good. We know what hitters do traditionally, so you're able to have somebody standing there at all times. The rocket that is hit from a lefty in right center field, my entire life, except for the last couple of years, that has been a hit. Well, now it's not a hit. We're smart enough to have somebody standing there. And again, I don't know if I, I like the idea of this, but I am interested to see what it's going to look like where these things that have been traditionally hits in our lives are hits once again. How is that going to change the game? Certainly going to be more guys on base, you would think, uh, than there were before as these tendencies were there. I don't think it's as simple enough to say, and I've heard some people make the claim of, well, you know, you're going to go back, you're going to put everybody back, and I'll, I'll tell you exactly what the rule is in, in a second of the, the limited shift, but everybody's going to go back to their quote-unquote normal positions, and then the balls that would sneak through before aren't going to, you're not going to see much of a difference. I don't think that's true at all. I think that these hitters, have shown you that they are going to hit to whatever their power side is. For the most part, they're going to try to take advantage of that. So you're going to see more balls sneak through on the pull side. I really do think so. Even if you're trying to defend them as well as possible. And the rule is here when it comes to the, the limited shift is that players, there has to be, first of all, two players on each side of second base. Two players on each side of second base. Uh, so, you know, obviously your shortstop and third base have to be on that side. Second base and first base have to be on the right side of the infield. You can also 
in between or during innings, you cannot change. You cannot have your best defender playing shortstop for one batter, then he goes over to the second base side for another batter. That is illegal unless you end up making a switch of position players on the field. Not just a pitching switch, but a position player switch on the field. That's the only way that's a, that is legal uh, during an inning. Now, you can make as many changes you as you want inning to inning. Say your shortstop, Tommy Edmond, comes out in the first inning, he plays short. You want him to play second base in the second inning and move Donovan or whoever you want over to shortstop, you can do that. But he has to stay there for the entire inning. That ends up being one part of this rule. Also, the infielders must have both their feet in front of the outer boundary of the outfield grass when the pitcher begins his natural motion to deliver the pitch. So you see this a lot now is that many infielders, they start in the grass and then they work their way back in. Oftentimes with a big pull hitter, you're staying in the grass anyhow. It's not legal anymore. You cannot do that. If you do, it will be assessed as a ball uh, for your pitcher, which he's not going to like a ton either. So you have to make sure that your feet are starting in the grass when the pitcher begins his delivery to the plate. So how are teams going to circumvent this? Because we live in a world where we have rules, but we always try to get around the rules or we try to figure out a way to just tweak it a little bit to make it work for us. So there is the idea of, all right, well, here's what I'm going to do. In the pitch, I'm going to start my infielders exactly where I want to start them, but I am going to start these guys on a dead sprint. That way, once the pitch is delivered, they end up being on the other side of the field, so they're where we believe that they're going to hit the ball. You can't do that. That is what Major League Baseball calls circumventing the rule, and they say it is illegal. If you try to do that, uh, a penalty will be called. So, great idea. I like it. I, I believe the wheels are turning a little bit, but you just can't do it. Now, if you are wondering late in the games, can you still bring in another infielder? Can you bring in a fifth infielder from the outfield? Absolutely. You can still do that. That strategy of it is, of it is there. You're having your two-man outfield. You know the situation late. You're crowding the infield. That runner at third is the winning run. You can still do that. That isn't against the rules. But just saying two-man outfield there, and you understand what that means, two-man outfield, five-man uh, you know, infield as you bring the other one in, in that special circumstance, it gets the wheels turning again, though, because there is nothing stopping teams from taking their, let's just say it's a big uh, big left-handed power hitter up. This guy pulls everything. There is nothing in the rules currently, and, and I underscore currently, that stop you from taking your left fielder and putting him in short right field a lot like you would do your second baseman the last couple of years. Now, do you run a risk? Yeah, you run the risk of if that guy hits a flare down the left field line, it's all of a sudden a triple instead of a single. But I think that we're going to see a lot of teams try this in spring training and see what it looks like. I think about for the Cardinals how important, and I believe that Brandon Donovan is very likely to be your, your opening day second baseman, but if he is still used in the platoon way that he was, I mean, guy started at six different positions for you last year. Think about having that weapon where he's playing left field and then you have a team that have a couple of power-hitting lefties. You shift him over into short right field. Now, I, I, I could see that happening. I think that teams will tinker with it a little bit in spring training. I did underscore the word currently, though, because Major League Baseball – 
I don't believe that they're going to let somebody do something where it, it negates what they're trying to get done. So I feel like if you see enough teams doing this and hitters aren't making them pay for it, that they will end up legislating that out of the game as well. We saw this in the minor leagues the last couple of years is they tried to have it where there were outfield, basically bubbles. There were circles in the outfield where your outfielders had to be in those circles to start the pitch. Obviously, when the ball's hit, you can go wherever to react to that. But I could absolutely see baseball implementing that in if teams start really taking advantage of that. So that's kind of a broad-based look at some of the rule changes that are going to be happening in baseball this year. And I'm telling you, it's going to be weird. It's going to look weird. It's going to feel weird. And then maybe a month into the season, none of us are going to notice it anymore because it's just going to be baseball as usual. Like that, that I believe is how it's going to end up working. By the way, uh, they are going to be also really focusing in on balks. And it's not like they're changing the rule in baseball. They just say that they're really going to start implementing the rule. You know that from the uh, from the set position, from the stretch when there's a, a runner on base, you have to come to a full stop. Got a lot of guys in baseball that just kind of go through that stop. I mentioned Giovanni Gallegos a little bit earlier. Gio's a guy that also, he does a couple of stutter steps at times and then doesn't get to a full stop. That's something that he's going to have to figure out a little bit. There's various players around the game of baseball that that have kind of funky deliveries where they start and stop and go back and forth. That is not going to be allowed, and it will end up being called quite a bit this year. So you're going to see Box uh, hit an all-time high with the new rules that are implemented with the two disengagements and then really the focus on Box. I don't think that that should upset any fans. I, I think that's a very easy one. Again, they've been in the rule book for quite some time, but they're going to tighten those up. One that I am pretty interested about, and this isn't a rule change yet, but we saw it last year. We saw Pitchcom last year. You know, Pitchcom is the device that the catcher wears where he calls the pitches. There's an ear, uh, a device that goes in the pitcher's hat where they can hear what is going on, what the pitch is. They can also say yes, no. Uh, they can change the pitches as well with the catcher. Well, this year, and they're doing this in spring training. They haven't decided to do it yet in uh in the season they're going to kind of take some of the results that they get out of spring training but the pitcher in spring training and we're going to see it on saturday as adam wainwright will be wearing one of these pitch com devices for the pitchers where he can call his own pitches so you'll see Wayno. he'll have this transmitter that's going to be right there on his glove he'll call his own pitches uh, the catcher is also going to be able to use a transmitter. They can go back and forth at simultaneous use uh, that is supported during this. And all the results, again, in spring training, they're going to be used to determine if, in fact, it can be continued during the season. But for a guy like Adam Wainwright, go ahead. Call your pitches. That would be fantastic. You want to expedite things. We already got a pitch clock. Let the guy that already knows what he wants to throw, let him go ahead and throw that. I think that makes a lot of sense. I will be interested to see how much teams want to let some of their younger pitchers, more inexperienced pitchers, utilize the uh, pitch com from the pitcher standpoint. But we'll find out. I think it's a great learning tool, and I think it's a really good idea. If we're going to do this anyhow, if you're going to do it, do it, right? In for a pound, in for a penny. You might as well check it out, and you might as well let the pitchers kind of take advantage of some of this as well. So we are going to have some real baseball to break down, real games to break down, performances to break down. Uh, we will overreact 
for sure. You let some young stud go out there, get a game, uh, and uh, go four for four, we're going to put him on the team. I mean, that's just kind of how we do things. You're going to see a young arm come out of the bullpen, tickling 100 miles an hour. Well, he's got to be a part of the roster. We're going to overreact all spring training. We're going to dig into all the competitions that are out there, and uh, we're going to see how some of these new rules really look like. We've seen them on paper. I personally haven't seen a minor league baseball game in the last couple of years in person. I've watched a couple on TV, but I want to see what they end up looking like in real time, and I want to see how some of the old guard deals with it, the veteran players who have not spent time in the minor leagues, uh, like some of these young bucks that have come up and have to de- have dealt with some of the different issues when it comes to the rule changes. So really wanted to get into those. I think that they're fascinating. Whether you love them or you hate them, we're all going to be in this one together because if you're listening to this podcast, you love baseball. Baseball is coming up this weekend. Cardinals in action against the Nationals on Saturday. Adam Wainwright is going to be on the mound. You'll see Jake Woodford in that game. Giovanni Gaia goes as well and I believe Henesis Cabrera will be pitching in that game also and then Sunday February 26th it's Cardinals it's Marlins 12-10 Central first pitch we'll get our first look at Skip Schumacher as the manager you'll get your first look in 2023 at Miles Michaelis who will be starting his game also before he ends up heading to the World Baseball Classic uh, for Team USA along with Adam Wainwright Goldie and Arenado until next week it's the Redbird Report brought to you by 101 ESPN. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Redbird Report podcast with Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN. Check out every episode at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app.